you need the um the, the competitive level to to um increase increase your abilities to play at a faster higher pace so we can practice all day long but if you don't have that pressure from you know a top player you know it's not gonna it's, it's just not gonna work How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Hashtag Spread the Sand, Season 4, Episode 6. I'm your host, Dylan Thompson, and with me today, I have Ben Astorga, a current assistant coach for the U.S. men's beach soccer national team. Benny, how you doing, man? Hey, brother, I'm doing good, man. How are you doing, Dylan? Good. You just got out of practice. Tell me how nice the weather is, making me all jealous in Miami right now. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, it's really cold right now. I think it's like... <laughs> It's about 70, baby. I mean, it's freezing out here. <laughs> yeah, we just had a little rainstorm come through, quick rainstorms that cooled it down. So, but it, it's a nice night, nice night in Florida. Can't, yeah, can't so co- coaching club as always, right? So never not coaching. Yeah, I mean, we're just on the go. It's like nonstop. We just switch hats, basically. I swear, I put a white hat on for the beach, black one on for the back. It's just, it's just that, that much coaching going on. And so touching a little bit on FBS, because I know that's the club that you coach for uh, and coach with Francis and Oscar Gill. Um, you know, you all incorporate beach training into, into your coaching with them, right? Of course. Of course. There's a lot of there's a lot of nice little details that, that complement the, the field players, you know? How much do they love it from, like, a youth club perspective? Oh, they – I mean, as soon as you step on the sand, they're just, they're just having a good time. It's something about getting to the beach and the water. I mean, you have to stop them from running to the into the water, but they just they just have a good time, and it just kind of like it starts opening up the the creativity in their mind. You know how else you can play this this game on a totally different surface. And so, were you exposed at a younger age to the to the sand playing beach, like, or was that something you picked up later on? I picked it up later on. You know, uh, gosh. I, a good question. I can't even I can't remember right now. It'll probably come to me where I saw the first beach soccer, but it must have been it must have been um, through some other friends of mine that played for a, a U.S. team a, lo- a long time ago that I kind of picked up on it, you know, and heard about it. And then uh, when I moved to Florida, it's kind of pretty much when I started to find it. And so you were playing for the national team. And again, like this was, this was earlier on. Um, the game wasn't as established as it is now, and, and even now it's not even super established or recognized. But I guess one thing that, that I have a question about in particular is just like how did you find, I guess, the drive to, to continue to work at it and continue to pursue it as a player when you knew that it, you know, it wasn't as supported as it is now and, again, even now not being super supported uh, or just recognized in general? I would say one of the things about beach soccer and the kind of players you get are they're typically the players that don't quite give up. They they see something, they have a drive to get better at it, and they just kind of do it and keep doing it. So I think in that aspect, like I fell into one of those type of players that's kind of like, you know, well, actually, uh, I kind of did want to quit. I thought I, was just, I thought I was really too bad for the sport. I didn't, you know, I just thought it was just really out of my realm. You know the guys were assuring me that like oh we'll get better and it's i just then i was like all right yeah let me let me let me stick with it let me not quit because i you know i don't really just give up on things so I was like, let me not quit and then i did that i stick stuff with it and it and i just enjoyed it it just it just became 
um, super addictive and very fun. And you just got better and better every time. And then, you know, we got very competitive against these teams that were kind of beating us all day long. And we started closing those gaps and those margins and we were getting really close. You know, it, just one of those things. It's just, I just fell in love with it. It was fun. It was easy. It was on the track to doing something different than anybody else was doing. So it was, it was, it was good. It was good. So it sounds like too, the community aspect is as strong as it is now. It was strong back then as well. Yes. In a different sense, uh, I think the community now is more like the American based community base is, is, is stronger now. And when I was playing, it was more of a Brazilian uh, community. Sure. So I was 24 hours hanging with a lot of Brazilians to the point where all the practice was in Portuguese, you know, and I started picking up Portuguese that way. And then I was playing football with them. And then I was like, you know, so it was just this, this was the, this was the new family um, that you're with like four days a week and then all day on the weekend, all day on the weekend with them. So. And so I, I kind of want to touch on your playing career a little bit. I know a bulk of this will be talking about you as a coach, but in time you playing for the national team, you know, what, what was one of your favorite moments, you know, competitively, like, you know, it could be local tournament. I know you played, you know, many tournaments, especially in Virginia. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, what was one of your favorite moments? I think, I think, you know, every scenario, there's a, like a favorite, there's a favorite moment, right? You know, that guy right there, look at that guy trying to jump in, try <laughs> jump in the podcast. Look at that guy, man. Look at that. Man, he, he, are you even from the Bahamas? Let me tell you something. Like you he's, got all, listen, he's got all these kids here that they were following all the matches in the Bahamas. As soon as I got here, it's coach, coach, coach Mike's team destroyed you guys. <laughs> I didn't destroy us. It's like, man, we beat you every day. It's like the scores are ridiculous, like 8 1, 10 1. I said, what game were you watching? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. But, but see, that's the thing. The kids are following now the, 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 the pros playing the sport, which is something that never happened before, you know? For those of you who are listening, Michael Butler just came on the video with Coach, Coach Ben here. He's probably an all-star back there with the kids, for sure, especially if they're watching those games. The man is insane. But, yeah, and I, so I, I think I got <laughs> – oh, my God. I, I got like a couple of moments, you know, that are really like stand out. They're pretty For fun. Sure. But one, one, one particular one was, was, um, was in Brazil and we were training uh, right there in Lemmy, Copacabana Lemmy, we're training. And right in the middle of our practice, this, this girl, this Brazilian girl, just, you know, bikini, everything. She just walked straight through our practice, like right through the middle of our practice. So we all stopped, you know, we all watching like, what's this girl, you know? And then, so she's walking by. And she looks back at me and she smiles. And then like, everybody's looking at me smiling. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like smiling and I say, okay, all right. You know, wow, okay. Wow, they get some props, right? You know, gosh. So, so the next day we're playing Brazil. So we're in the, we're in the stadium warming up, right? And I mean, there's a lot of people. It's about 5,000 people in this stadium. It's crazy. It's loud, it's moving. Um, and during the, during the warmups, you know, the crowd is pretty uh, fun going and singing songs and everything. So that same girl was trying to get my attention from the stands. I don't, and I don't know her, right? <laughs> so she's, she's calling my name. She's just like, Benny. And then, so I hear something. So I'm looking like 
towards like Francis and them, and they're saying they're looking at me, and we're warming up, and it's like, hey, that there's a girl there trying to call you. I said, no, just hey, just keep just keep warming up, just, just keep warming up, keep warming up. So, you know, as we're warming up, the crowd. So so after a while, because I'm not turning around, the, everybody in the crowd starts helping her. <laughs> start going, Benny, Benny. Benny, and then now you have 5,000 people saying Benny. So they're like, You gotta turn around. So I you turn gotta around. acknowledge. I, I turn around and then she goes, like, blows a kiss and blows a kiss, and the crowd goes, Ah, Benny, Benny. That is by like, far oh. the best moment. Oh man, I was like, Oh my god. I was like, I was super embarrassed and super, like, you know, it's like. It was so funny at the same time, but it was just a part of an experience that you just, it was one of these kind of experiences that was um, one of them, you know, one of the many, you know, we have experience everywhere we go. We have a good story about something happened to us, goals, um, you know, um, the things we play hard, losing by one point, last second, you know, like a lot of good things, winning CONCACAF. There's a lot of great experiences though, but, but just one of those things you couldn't make up you know <laughs> but yeah so that was one experience that was pretty pretty good so my next podcast interview with you i'll i'll be like they need know. to make an off the record podcast for the amount of stories that i'm sure that you guys have traveling and oh doing. gosh oh gosh just, just being in the wrong place at the wrong time just because because beach soccer is is, is so social so uh social such a social sport that it's a fun time so inside that fun time, everybody has that feeling with you, whether you're for, you know, with that country or against them, it's just such a good time at the end that, you know, you make new friends, you're in different places and, you know, you're up in the favela where you're not supposed to be <laughs> like, what are you doing there? You know, kind of thing. So it's like, it's a, those experiences, like stuff you just can't write out, you know? So those are some of my best moments. Again, we could we could talk countless stories. I'm sure. Uh, just oh, just yeah. going with you to the Bahamas. You already had some good stories for us. So oh god, oh god, oh god. <laughs> um, but so a lot of people probably may not know this. Um, so you are now the assistant coach for the U.S. squad. Uh, but yes. before that, you had a position with Trinidad and Tobago. So do you want to talk a little bit yeah. about how that was introduced to you and and how you kind of took that opportunity? We actually got in, invited to come to Trinidad and Tobago after one of the Virginia tournaments so Kyle Lequai came up to Virginia he was scouting the whole tournament and, and thing and he was watching everything then he came up he introduced himself and he and he said I have a tournament in Trinidad we had just won the Virginia tournament he said I got a tournament in Trinidad I'd love for you guys to come because we had a mix of U.S. players and, and some international players so we didn't know it was real we didn't know if it was true or not. It was real or whatever. He said he had money for the tournament, all of a sudden. We just we never heard of him. We just, you know, just random coming up. So uh, Eric Kunke, he was like following up and he was like, yeah, I think this is pretty cool. I think we should go do it, you know? So we got a little money. We went and we played in that event, we did well. We won the event. And at the end of the event, uh, Kyle was talking about, look, we're starting a national team. This whole thing is a push to start a national team. When that happened, uh, he'd asked us, he'd asked Francis 
if you would be interested in being the coach of the team, but France was still part of the national team. I was just released from the national team. So he said, well, you know, Ben is more available because he's, because he's more, he's more free right now. So Kyle and I started talking more. And then I came down as the assistant coach because they had hired the Brazilian coach, uh, uh, Suarez, you know, so I spent uh, the first year as assistant coach. And then after that, Suarez had left. And then he asked me if I want to be the head coach. And I was like, yeah, sure. So like I was pretty much down there for about five years working with them and just building a team up and, you know, from scratch, they had a lot of good talent down there. So it wasn't that wasn't difficult. It's just the introduction to the beach, you know? So once they started playing, we could change, we changed the way they play the drills and, um, uh, the formula to fit them because also too you know you have to when you go in these places you have to you have to assimilate to what their strengths are you know so we designed everything around their strengths and uh, play and we, we created a really nice team that competed and did very well did you feel like it was a tough transition from playing in the states and being accustomed to a totally different style and then it, it sounds was. like kind of creating, right, like a whole new game plan to cater to them. I mean, I'm sure it really kind of pushed you and challenged you as a coach, right? Correct, correct. The game, anyway, beach soccer was changing, all the tactics and the things. We had a lot more information coming out now uh, about the game, where what was what was more important, the state, you know, where the goals were coming from. So FIFA and beach soccer were putting out a lot of information. So it started changing the way our tactics were to play the game. So... Yes, we were, we were direct, but in a sense, you know, co combining with players, you know, playing players off the ball kind of thing. So it, it changed the way we did it, but, but we adapted it to them, you know. It, so, but like I said, it was a good group of talented guys. So it was not as hard. It would be like to, if you didn't have the talent or the level, you know. So you got, you know. So... So Trinidad was fun. It was good. We, we found what worked for them. We used the culture inside of the training methods. Some people didn't agree with it, like in the Federation, but it worked for us. You know, I mean, you know, singing, dancing, music is all part of the, the sport anyway. Was Trinidad Tobago one of the teams that you would also see some of their grass players come play for you or was that separate? We did have some grass players show up. But again, beach soccer is one of those sports where you have to be also humble kind of person sure. to understand. You have to like dial it back a little bit that you're not going to be good at it. And then you're going to get better at it. And then you're going to be great at it. So some of the, some of the really skillful, talented players who came out from grass, it just, it just kind of embarrassed them a little bit. So they didn't like it. And the guys that, so all our guys, more, pretty much all our guys, uh, never play from senior grass team. So these guys are all like directly just our own homemade beach players. So it was very interesting because all these group of guys at Trinidad, they just kind of formed this own thing and then they were their national team and national heroes now. So it was very, it was really nice that, that these guys had this chance to do it. You know, and like I said, we tried some grass players. And I mean, uh, honestly, all of them come from grass, right? But these weren't the players that were on the national team. You know, they had some stints when they were younger with the national team. And uh, but this was like 
unique. They were their own group, formed the team. They were playing when you guys come in, they couldn't handle our guys. And they were the most talented guys from grass. So, you know, we know we had something really good. And then, like I said, it was just kind of a thing. They had to believe in it at first. And then after that, everything came to light. They traveled. Some of these players got to play in like Switzerland and Italy. You know, they were in the U.S. playing in different tournaments, you know. So it, it, it got really, uh, it, out of nothing, it created a lot, you know. So yeah, was, and I'm uh, sure like a huge sense of pride for those guys too, right? Like, oh, yeah, of- yeah. They, you know, they're, they're, they're on TV, they're getting interviews, they're going and representing their country. And they were really good ambassadors of Trinidad and Tobago. You know, they were really good men. People, people wanted to know more about them. You know, and then they had the Tobago Cup, and that Tobago Cup was every year. So the so the so the international players out of Europe, they were all coming to to Trinidad and playing. The level started going up. You know, like it's like Virginia. Everybody started coming to Virginia to play. The level starts going up. The same thing was happening in uh, in Trinidad and Tobago and in, in, in the Tobago Cup. You know, so it was a really good event that Kyle and uh, the guys down there put on. So. All based off of hearsay, and you guys kind of taking <laughs> taking a jump on that for the tournament. That, that's and that's that's kind of like how beach soccer it is, is because because it's it's kind of like it's it's not it's kind of formed out of some nothing really, you know. Like you got to take a chance. You get a group of guys. You go. You do something. It it leads to the next thing. It gets better, and then now it's in a position where, like, we have World Cups, and you know we have qualifiers. And, because the funniest thing is that like the U.S. team, we we won literally. So we we won a Concacaf, but because it wasn't under Concacaf, they're they're trying to say in the record books that oh, it's only you've only won one when we've won two Concacafs. Oh wow! You know, but the first one wasn't officially under Concacaf. So, but I we, we were like hell no, that, that's a that's a win. Hey, that's that's two. We take the most important two. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. We're taking our two, right? <laughs> You know? So go, going from that experience and then, you know, having the opportunity that you do now with the, with the U.S. national team, um, you know, being able to kind of hone in again as a coach on a different group of players, different tactics, uh, just that that cater to a whole different pool of players. Right. How how does the change look from from obviously when you played? When there's a lot of transition and like you said, the rules now there's you know, there's new rules being implemented it seemed annually almost at this point. And so what does that look like for you now tackling the program as now a coach and working with a whole new group of players? Well, well now, like the, like the players, like yourself, you know, like it, they're younger. So what happens is that before the players are older when they started, now they're getting younger. So they have, they have a lot of the base already. They playing in these, they've been playing in now beach soccer tournaments, like four or five years. And then they're jumping into the, the, the senior and pro, you know, divisions. So they have basically all the base of it. So any new rule doesn't really trip them up a little bit. I mean, you know, it trip them up a little bit, but they catch on fast because they, they, the base is there, you know. So it's, you know, lift, pass, score, kind of, you know, beach is and do it quicker and faster and more technical and it just goes like that so that's what I'm, I'm happy to see so the adjustments to everything is it's been easier you know and and you, your tactical training now is going further because 
you guys do more now, you know. And so with your first, you know, ex- events coming up as a co- on the coaching staff, uh, I, was the qualifier and the World Cup your first two events on the coaching staff officially? Um, with U.S., yeah. Yes. And yeah. so how, how are those experiences? So going into the CONCACAF in Costa Rica and then obviously, you know, going to Russia and being a part of the coaching staff, getting those guys as prepared as they can be. Uh, how, how were those, you know, just some takeaways, I guess, from those two events? Um, you know, so so working in Trinidad gave me more the experience, more working with with national team and federation and players. So you kind of learn to maneuver better. And at the same time, because it was a player, because, you know, certain things you've gone through, you you kind of a little bit of a better coach because you you can you wouldn't ask more than you would deliver, mm. you know, from a player. And they know that. So if I'm asking for it, it's because I know I would deliver it, you know, so I know I can get that from you. You know, it's a, and, and um, you understand what they will be going through physically and, you know, you know mentally. So it just, it just works. It, 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 it was an easy transition coming into the U.S. and a comfortable feeling because obviously I know the players, I know Francis. So you're very comfortable in that setting, you know, and, and when you are, one thing I found really nice is that like, I went from head coach into assistant coach position, but it works really well because you know what the coach is expecting, you know? So you're kind of with him, you're almost ahead of him, you know, like you're step in step with him. So it worked out really nice. You know, we don't bump heads. We, we, we back each other up in, in a different, you know, systems and tactics and one talks, the other will talk, you, you know, like it, it moves really good. One is looking at offense, the other was looking at the defense, you know, like, so we, you know, it complements each other to have two, two coaches, you know, that, that understand at that level. USA qualifies in the CONCACAF and then you get to the World Cup stage, the, you know, the, the top venue for international play and the U.S. team that, that gets taken to that World Cup in Russia, you know, they're not far off from the teams that they're playing. And so this might be a difficult question to, to answer, and I'm not sure maybe what that looks like for you. It's just from your perspective, you know, what is it going to take to kind of elevate those results and, and, and reverse them, right? So we're, we're for the first two games against uh, Russia and Japan, you know, that's a loss by one goal apiece. And then Paraguay is a different story as the third game. And, and maybe that's a test to it being the third game or, or what have you. But right. what right. do you feel like in your perspective, you know, would help elevate us as a nation into kind of be more competitive, I guess, on the world cup stage. Yeah. It's like, uh, like as we keep, as we say around here is, is it, you're not reinventing the wheel. So when you look at, if you just look at Russia's track record going you know, they have they have these leagues in the summer, these beach leagues in the summer. It attracts the highest and the most uh, talented beach soccer players around the world. So they have a very high level league that they play in. They've been playing for the last uh, three, four years like this, right? Then you throw in uh, the Euro, the Euros. 
So they, they're playing a high competition, high level situation scenarios all the time, come out, bang out of that, win that. Then they go right into a World Cup. So, so it just takes the consistency of the players playing. And it's not, it's not anything that's the difficult, but it's just shaping it, molding it. And, and one of the things about, you know, not to put the plug in there, but, you know, National Beach Soccer League is that we are in, come from that mindset of the professional side. And we just want to create that to have this ability for the players to have more competition more often. That will lead to, you know, um, uh, moving up in those tiers and then getting into those finals and World Cups, you know, because at first, when we first used to play, I mean, we only started to train right when it was time to go qualify. Mm. And you fight through that. And then you get to a World Cup and you realize, man, you're really behind here. These guys are playing year round and they fly to different countries to play in tournaments. So, of course, they're going to be ready. They're, they're pretty much professional. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. We come back, we got jobs, we got to pay taxes. We're doing like, we're like, we're like, you know, really that part time player. So, you got to get really lucky, you know, or, you know, you just got to fight it out all the time. But when we start to get to that stage where our players are full time, I will be. We'll be getting into all those things, you know. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. That, and, that's the and goal. Never, never a a bad plug to plug NBSO. We love NBSO on the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be like so. Like, <laughs> no, it's cool. I know all those in your backseat. All those in your backseat. Exactly. You know. Yeah, thanks, Aldo. <laughs> sending me the the cat chat right now. Like, <laughs> No, but, and I, I hear you. And, and again, like we talked a little bit about it earlier and when Michael showed up in the uh, the background there, but I mean, that opportunity to go play the Bahamas, you know, for me personally, as someone who's never played a national team or, or played in a venue like that, or, or exactly. alongside players that are on the current, you know, in the pool and have that experience. Again, it's like, it's something that continues to elevate players like myself, just getting introduced to those things. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And, and that's exactly what the goal is because it's, it's, it's the only way, it's the real way you're going to develop the players, you know, no matter, no matter what, you know, no matter what we say or do, you need the, um, the, the competitive level to, to um, increase, increase your abilities to play at a faster, higher pace. So, we can practice all day long, but if you don't have that pressure from, you know, a top player, you know, it's not going to, it's just not going to work. No doubt. Benny, I, I appreciate you taking the time, man. The, what the podcasters might not know is, is, is you've been coming right off practice, hopping in your car and chatting me with your car right after uh, running. I'm glad it's not raining, so that's the best part. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm glad. The- I got my raincoat on right now. It's like it was raining earlier, so. It held off for us, but I appreciate you just taking the time, man. Um, you know, and again, super excited to to continue to see the national team thrive and uh, continue to train and and learn a lot from from you, Francis, uh, yeah. and then Morgan and Fudo and and whoever else you know is helping out with the women's side. Because as we know now, they have a huge event coming up for the women's side as well. So correct, which is correct. very exciting to see how they stack up against some teams they haven't played yet and and all that good stuff. Correct. Correct. So, Benny, hey man, you got you got that 
that that pod podcast voice, man. I, I gotta work on mine. It's like, yo, thank you. Hey, you'll be a permanent co-host, no doubt. <laughs> I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm put you on my podcast when I start one. <laughs> it's an underground <laughs> podcast under a different it, name. It, yeah, it's it, it's gonna be like podcast. Like, oh, it's gonna be like podcast live from uh from a uh, drive-through. Hey, y'all take it easy, Benny. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, All right. Dylan. Thank you, man. Appreciate right, you. you.